were not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Luke 17, 17. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. A little bit of remembered context from the scriptures throws the account we just heard from the Gospel of Luke into an even starker relief. So I just want to remind you um, of some of the features at play. The first, of course, is that lepers uh, under the Old Covenant, by God's uh, decree, were to be outsiders. And part of this had a sort of contagion, quarantining effect, um, but it was also in harmonizing with so much of the Old Covenant rules that were seeking to communicate the absolute holiness and purity of God. So lepers were um, to be put outside of the camp, according to um, the rules in Leviticus, and that's exactly where we find them functionally in today's Gospel. Jesus is approaching a town, so they're not yet at the town, and then even still the lepers speak from a distance. It says that the lepers were at a distance. And we're given this... um, geographic detail that is suggestive. It says that on the border of Galilee and Samaria, and Galileans, of course, were Jews and were sort of you know, recognized peoples, but Samaritans, as we know from the Gospels, were um, a despised people group, um, much like a certain, many people from Auburn regard uh, some other people elsewhere in Alabama. Um, <laughs> it's not really fair to make it up with that. I apologize. <laughs> And the lepers cry out for mercy, eleison. And perhaps they're asking for alms, just for help for the day. But perhaps Jesus had already healed one leper, recorded in Luke chapter 5. Perhaps they healed of what Jesus had done for other lepers. And Jesus gives them um, a commandment, which against the Old Testament context is also surprising. He says, show yourselves to the priests. Which if you remember from the last time you studied Leviticus, I don't know when that was, um, the priests were the gatekeepers. They were sort of the the ones who would prescribe and and diagnose. They would examine minutely um, the state of the leprosy and whether you are, if you are sick, you have leprosy, you are outside the community, but they were the gatekeepers to get back in. You'd get get, um, a physical, as it were, uh, and they would give you the clean bill of health and say, yes, the leprosy is gone. Welcome back into the worshiping community of God. But so you did that after you were healed. But Jesus says, show yourself to the priests which would have had a confusing quality to it as a command, right? Because they still have leprosy on them. But Jesus says, no, go show yourself. And so we don't know what the lepers were thinking. Perhaps, perhaps they were hopeful, having heard about this healed leper. Well, maybe we'll be healed along the way, right? It would have been a couple days' journey to go see the priests in Jerusalem. And we don't know exactly what they're thinking, but the detail is supplied in the gospel account that as they were going, they were cleansed. And it struck me in thinking on it this week, what a picture that is for um, our own process of salvation, that we are, as it were, en route to see the judge before whom we long to be declared clean, and he makes us clean on the way. The Holy Spirit sanctifying us, leading us into his own life as we approach him and his judgment seat when we die. So they're cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. Um, And then we see the one return, which, remember, is an unexpected detail because Jesus himself had told them, go show yourself to a priest, but he's come back. And it's the one that they would have least expected, the one Samaritan of the group. Remember, they're in that geographical, uh, ambiguous land. It's like, is it Jew, 
Samaritan, but it's the Samaritan who comes back, giving thanks to Jesus. And I, I think this is a wonderfully vivid description. I know sometimes Trinitarian theology can become kind of hopelessly abstract in the mind. But here we have an enfleshed picture of Trinitarian theology. The, the healed leper falls at Jesus' feet and is praising God. Falls at, and that's a picture of how, that, how this works, right? We are at Jesus' feet, praising God the Father, at the feet of God the Son, with God the Son. I love, it's an infinitely mystical phrase that concludes the Eucharistic prayer, right? By him, Jesus, and with him, and in him, right? At Jesus' feet, we, give, we praise God. So the theme, of course, uh, of this whole um, episode in Jesus' life, the instructive theme is gratitude, giving thanks. What we see in the case of the one leper who returned, by coming back to give thanks, he turns a good thing in his life um, into a part of his own salvation. Because all ten were cleansed. All ten got a good thing. But he came back and, and gave thanks. And the translation, as we heard it, uh, said, Jesus says to the leper, uh, your faith has healed you. And one thing I really appreciate about the ESV translation is anytime there's a really difficult point of translation, it puts it in a footnote. So if we had pew Bibles, which we have in storage, one day we'll have it back out again. Um, you'll see the footnote says, or, or saved, your faith has saved you. And I think saved is the, 99% of the time that word is translated saved. Because God gives good things to all people, right? You don't have to be a Christian to receive blessings from God. Every human being on this planet is receiving blessings from God. Sustenance, life. Matthew 5 says, God sends the rain on the just and the unjust. He is impartial in his provision of material blessings. The difference then between Christians and non-Christians isn't who is necessarily blessed by God, provided for by God, but the ones who return to give him thanks who don't just receive the gift thoughtlessly, but thoughtfully return to the giver in mind and spirit and say, thank you, God. That's what distinguishes a Christian from a non-Christian. This theme of thanksgiving, uh, you can't barely turn a few pages in the New Testament before seeing that it's supposed to be a hallmark of ordinary Christianity. So let me just give you kind of a rapid fire from some of St. Paul's letters giving thanks always and for everything to God. Ephesians 5. Whatever you do, do everything giving thanks to God. 1 Thessalonians, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks, 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 thanks. Thanks because we do receive countless blessings from God, not only at the material level, the gifts we enjoy, um, but at the spiritual level as well. I think there's things that if someone, uh, I don't know if you've ever had this in your life, someone who gave you a really staggering gift, you never forget it. We had a family friend really help with my college tuition. I never would be able to go to college if that family friend hadn't chipped in what my family couldn't have paid. And we, I remained there, but he, he is dead and the widow's still living. Um, I'll never be like done with being grateful to them. I'm still grateful. Like they gave me a gift that continues to bless me just out of pure Christian generosity. And so joyfully I thank them with Christmas cards or notes here and there or whatever. Um, 
how much more has God done for us? And yet we just sort of receive it and move along, I think. I think that there's even a proportional thing, like one out of ten. Do I even give God thanks for one out of ten of the blessings he has given me? I think part of the problem is, um, if I find myself, and I think in our sort of day, we are inclined to think about God as like this impersonal force, just some sort of benevolent, vague fog above the physical universe, kind of doing some things and not others. And so then if you get a gift from God, it's like, oh, well, great, I got the gift. And we forget that it is as personal as a gift from a person, because God is a person. But, and if we remember that he truly is a person, that he's not just giving gifts as some sort of natural force or something, but out of his love for us, he can help us to remember how grateful we ought to be. And even for gifts like the college tuition gift, long past, Sometime when you were crying out for mercy and received it. Sometime when you were asking for some particular provision and were provided it. To not then just move along with life, but to mark it and remember and give thanksgiving and to continue to give thanks. The question um, Jesus asking, where are the nine? It should rightly have a little bit of a haunting quality against our own ingratitude. Where are the nine? I, did, I feel ten. Where, where are the nine? And so I want to um, exhort you this week uh, to seek to practice gratitude as a Christian exercise. And I don't mean just a general vague sense of feeling thankful, like people talk about at Thanksgiving, whatever that means. Um, but actually giving thanks to God and just saying thank you, God. And so I want to suggest um, three uh, concrete practices um, that you can exercise this week to lean into it. The first is just um, a very brief arrow prayer, just from the heart, in the midst of anything, right? When you wake up and it was a good night's sleep. Ah, oh, thank you, God. <laughs> right? When you have food at the table, to not just say grace, but to thank God for giving you food. Right? So just these little, and it can be verbal or just mental, but these little directives of directing God as a person. Thank you, God, for personally giving me what I need today. And then I know that some of you are in the midst of difficult circumstances. And one of the Christian exercises that I am not well practiced in because the Lord has not permitted me to suffer very much for very long yet in this life. Um, but one of the things that the saints are so inspiring about is that they thank God even in the midst of really miserable times of suffering. And it's not just like the count your blessings, like when it's bad, think about what is good. I've always felt there's something artificial about that. It's, there's a bit of truth to it. Um, the saints aren't doing that. They're actually thanking God even for what is painful, but has been permitted from his hand. St. Chrysostom says, nothing is holier than that tongue which gives thanks to God in evil circumstances. He means that like even... Um, not just in the midst while thanking for other things, but thanking them even for the evil. One of um, the heroes of faith to me, the Victorian priest, who I, I mention all the time in conversation, I know, Edward Pusey, he had consumption for like on and off for 15 years of his life. And his practice was every time he would kind of do a heaving cough, you know, <laughs> he would then just under his breath pray, thank you, God. And I, I thought this was sort of sick at first when I first heard that. I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Like, thanking God for coughing? Like, 
But as I, I actually read his biography to try and figure out what was going on. Um, and what it was is he realized that everything that the Lord has permitted, if we return it to him, is useful for our sanctification. That with every cough, he was just loosening his grip on what is fading away and tightening his grip on what is eternal. And so he thanked God even for coughs. Um, so to thank God, not only for what is good, but according to the scriptures, giving thanks always and for everything. Not just for what is thank, that's Ephesians 5, not just what is thankworthy, but for everything, literally everything, even coughs, even miseries. There's a great mysterious life there that only Christians who've suffered a lot can really speak with integrity out of. So I leave it there in the, from the lips of the saints. So arrow prayers. Um, the other thing I would suggest, if, I don't know if, how many of you are journalers. Um, I'm not really a journaler, except in times of crisis. <laughs> um, but it, written or not, the exercise, maybe a Sunday afternoon would be a perfect time to do this. To try and think back in your own biography um, for a time when God really answered a prayer. Something you were really asking for, that you prayed for earnestly for days, weeks, or months. A physical thing or a spiritual thing, I don't know what. Some forgiveness, some gift, some grace that he provided. And then just to thank him again for that. That your life is still built on the foundation of that provision even now. So recalling past gifts, thank you, arrow prayers in the present. And the third um, exercise of Thanksgiving we are about to do right now, which is the Eucharist. Right? Eucharist is the Greek word, Eucharisteo, give thanks. We do this memorial meal as a thanks for Christ's death on the cross. And not just a thanks only for what was in the past, but the fact that the, the blessing of that death is mediated to us through this very meal. We also give thanks for this meal. We say a grace, as it were, for this sacred meal where we are refreshed in the forgiveness that we have as a free gift of God through Jesus Christ. And so that's why we have two praise, two songs, right, after we um, have communion. We're not just trying to fill out the last 10 minutes of church. That's a structural decision. Like, you, we've just been renewed. The gift of God in Christ Jesus has been renewed in its gift to us. And so we thank him. And that post-communion prayer that we pray, right? We thank you, almighty God. And that whole, just a sequence of thanks. I encourage you to attend, um, especially to really not just saying those words, but the act of giving thanks to God in and through them. And so to return to the leper, um, in a surprising, sort of narratively ironic way, the leper does return to a priest to show himself, right? Jesus Christ. Not a priest of the order of Aaron, but a priest after the order of Melchizedek, a greater covenant, a greater priesthood. And then, although under the, this covenant we no longer slaughter a, a lamb or a dove when we've been cleansed, we still offer a sacrifice prophesied in Psalm 50 and, uh, uh, is it Psalm 109? Um, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. That's the phrase. It kind of recurs mystically in the Psalms. Like, wait, what is a sacrifice of thanksgiving? We didn't know until the new covenant. They were thank, thank offerings, but those were different. The sacrifice of thanksgiving. Right? Just, we're not killing a dove or a goat, but we are giving God the offering. That's what sacrifice means, offering to God. Our own thanks. God, we thank you. We're still making a sacrifice for having been cleansed to the true priest. Amen.